0: Well, happy Valentine's Day weekend. Uh, Valentine's, of course, was uh, just this past Friday, and if you missed it, uh, you're probably in trouble with somebody. Uh, I saw a guy coming out of the store last night with a big uh, bouquet of roses and a box of chocolates. And I thought, now that guy is really wise. Uh, He waited until everything was like, you know, 75% off. (laughs) But then I thought, no, he's really stupid. Um, (laughs) I'm sure that uh, there was some compelling reason for all of that. But when I say the word Valentine, uh, what do you think about? Don't answer that. I I thought ahead of time. I wanted to be sure you didn't answer that because I would get all kinds of of answers, I'm sure, Uh, Some that may not be all that appropriate, but uh, this is probably what comes into your mind uh, because that's what we associate with Valentine's Day. If you go to CVS or if you go to Walgreens or go to any store um, pretty much after the the day after Christmas, you're going to see a heart, and it's going to look like that. And uh, this really goes back, uh, I think, to around 1,259 uh, if you want to look on Wikipedia, look up heart and shape of heart, and you can uh, learn a lot more than you want to know uh, about this particular shape of the heart. But it seems to make sense that we would use this because it we identify this with uh, romance or just uh, the kind of love that we have in relationships with one another. Uh, and it really would it looks better than what you see on this next one. I mean, there's really no reason that uh, we would have that <laughs> on a, anybody get a card that looked like that? I mean, it just doesn't really speak to romance, does it? Uh, but that's the, actual, that's the actual shape of a heart. And so when we talk about our hearts, shouldn't we be thinking about the heart as it's, you know, the anatomical uh, image of a heart? Well, we really don't. Uh, when we think about shapes of hearts, we, we think about the one that's a little bit more beautiful. Well, as we've heard here in our text today, in this Sermon on the Mount, and we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount for several weeks now. We have had these readings, and it's a long sermon. And it was during this time that Jesus was meeting with a crowd of people who were just gathered around him, and he is sharing with them these beautiful Powerful, and yet, as we've heard today, extremely challenging words. But they're words that get at the heart. These are words that Jesus is using to help shape the hearts of the people who are out there in the crowd. He knew that there were some who were religious leaders and their hearts were shaped a certain way. He knew that there were people who had never, ever uh, been involved with any kind of uh, religious thought or uh, group, and he looks at them and understands that they have a certain shape of their heart. He sees people who are devoutly following God's ways and God's laws and yet sometimes missing uh, the shape of their own heart. They're so focused on other people's hearts they can't see What's going on inside of theirs? And so Jesus is taking a lot of different words and a lot of different approaches in his Sermon on the Mount to help them focus on the heart. A few weeks ago, we looked at the Beatitudes and all of the different blessings that Jesus gives. Blessed are the meek and blessed are the poor. And he goes all the way through and, and just talks about the, the blessing that God has for all of them. And the idea is that they would see it, that they would understand it, that they would receive it with their hearts. So Jesus does a lot of talking about the heart, but he contrasts it with the law. And if you look back here in the, in the scripture, he, uh, you see this, this going back and forth. Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said this in ancient times. But I say this, or the law says this, but this is what I say. In Baptist life, and uh, in, in fact, we, we are uh, a non creedal people. You will never have to receipt, uh, recite our creed because we don't have one. Uh, we are way too rebellious and independent for such things. We have a confession, and sometimes usually, we don't agree on that uh, either. And it's not something that divides us or shouldn't divide us. But one of the things that is mentioned in the Baptist Confession of 1963 is that Jesus is the sole criterion by which we interpret Scripture. Just a fancy way of saying that when we want to understand what God means, we hear it through Jesus. We don't interpret God through Paul directly. We don't interpret God through Moses directly. We interpret God through Jesus. We understand uh, in a very clear way what God wants us to understand through Jesus. And so we have a a wonderful sermon that is here from Jesus that helps us understand that and helps us interpret what we believe God wants us to know. And one of the, the things that is Again, contrasted here is the law and Jesus. Jesus is saying, okay, here is what that really means. This is what God really wants you to know. You've heard it was said, you shall not murder. And they all go, yeah, that's true. We remember that one. That's that's one of the Ten Commandments. And they're probably, hopefully, most of them in the crowd were like, well, I've never done that. You know, I can check that off. I've never murdered anyone. And just as they're thinking that, Jesus says, but... I say to you that if you are angry with your brother and your sister, that kind of anger that makes you want to just reach out and strangle them, then you've already committed murder in your heart. That's a tough word, isn't it? Because really all of us have felt that way about someone. And all of us have brothers and sisters. You look around in your neighborhood. You look around at the place where you work. You look around in your relationships. You have brothers and sisters. And if you have that kind of anger that is unchecked and undealt with, you need to erase that check because you've already committed murder in your heart. And then he says, if you call your brother and sister, you fool. How many of you have ever done that? All of you have done it. Uh, and we've had it done to us, right? Or we say, you're a fool or you're foolish. Uh, and and we uh, don't always understand uh, what Jesus is getting at here in terms of demeaning someone, in terms of uh, pulling them down. He said, then you'll remember, uh, you need to remember that your brother or sister has something against you. And if you do, you leave your gift at the altar and uh, don't give it. But first go to your brother and sister and make it right. So what Jesus is saying is that God is more concerned about your heart than he is about your big offering or your small offering that you make in worship. Don't even give it, Jesus says, unless you go and make it right. And the way we tend to think about this is with communion. If you're going to come to communion... Um, you need to make sure that you're right with God and you need to make sure you're right with each other. And if you're not right with each other, you're not right with God. Remember, Jesus said the two most important things, love God, love your neighbor. You really cannot separate those two. If you're loving your neighbor, you're loving God. If you're loving God, if you really are loving God, you're loving your neighbor. So those things come together. Jesus says it's not about Tradition, law, religion, it's not about any of that. It's about your heart, and it's about relationships. And then he goes on to um, talk about um, adultery. If you, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. And hopefully, most of them in the crowd, okay, I haven't done that. That's, that's one of those Ten Commandments that our forefather uh, Moses uh, reminded us of. And then Jesus says again, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is that uh, verse that Jimmy Carter uh, quoted and once said that, um, I don't know, there was a news publication that really did a big feature on this because he talked about how he has committed adultery in his heart. And he was talking about this verse. But what Jesus is saying is don't think you're off the hook in terms of adultery or the way that you would treat a uh, a woman or uh, how a woman would treat a man. In this context, it's the women who were being mistreated in, in all of these different ways, with, with marriage laws and with uh, the way adultery was dealt with, where women were the ones who got in trouble. It was never the man's fault, uh, and the man could make it much worse on the woman by uh, the way that the divorce would take place. And so what Jesus is saying here is, Don't think you're pure and righteous because of your observance of the outward observance of the law. And Jesus knew that every man in that crowd had broken that law because they had lusted after someone else's wife. And so, again, it is about the heart. And he's asking them, challenging them to consider their own hearts, to evaluate their hearts and as we think about this today, for us, it, it is a difficult passage. It, it's not an easy uh, sermon that Jesus gives. He always gives a challenging sermon, and we, we like it when he tells parables, because we can hide behind different things, right? He gives us some outs there, like, ah, I would never be like the prodigal son, uh, I wouldn't do that, or you know, I wouldn't be like the older brother in that parable, and uh, you know, we try to identify in different ways, but Jesus just hits us straight between the eyes on this one. He's really talking to all of us because we are all imperfect people, and we all do things that lead us to stray away from God. But He says, "Your heart can be evaluated, and your heart can be changed." There was a, a news article about a. This was in Newswise uh, on their website. Uh, about a a girl who was a physics major in college and her passion for medicine led her to do some research uh, that would help heart patients in the future. And it it says, from the time Kelly Lohman was a child, she wanted to follow her father into the medical field. As I got older, I wanted to give back to people and medicine, said the sophomore from Shelbyville. And Lohman began giving back through a research project by conducting a numerical analysis of EKG signals. And she found a way to graph the EKG signals that could detect possible problems. Um, And this would detect them before they occurred. She recently presented her results during the American Physical Society meeting uh, to great interest from other scientists. And she just talks about how you have all this data and it's hard to be able to break it down and to see patterns. And she says it was very tedious work but also rewarding when she found a healthy person's heart creates essentially a straight-line shape. While arrhythmia, EKGs, pulled from this whole research database, create an elephant trunk shape. It finds the smallest fluctuation and shows it, she said. There are other formulas, but they are not physician-friendly. And she says ours is, our formula is. When you see this shape, such as the elephant trunk, It's the onset, and you can catch it now. And then she says, if you start seeing patterns, then you're doing something really right, or you're doing something really wrong. And isn't it great that we have this kind of research, and we have this kind of science to help us understand when our hearts are getting sick, and we can make changes before something very terrible happens. I think that's what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is performing an EKG on everyone who's out there in the crowd, and he is providing that for us as well, to say, I want you to see that there are, you, you've got a good heart here. God gave you a good heart, but you can see that there are some fluctuations. There's some arrhythmia here, That if it continues, you are going to have a heart attack. You're going to quit living or you you are going to have some serious problems for the rest of your life. But there are some ways, Jesus says, that you can make sure that you you can bring that back into rhythm and you can make sure that you are living a healthy life and that your heart is taking the right shape. And that's what we see here in this scripture. Jesus says, gives us this as a way for us to make changes and a difference in our own life. So my question for you is, how is your heart? What is the shape of your heart? We've had a couple of heart attacks right here in the membership of our church just in this past week, and I uh, noticed that uh, John Henson died last night. Uh, And when Jenny said that, I thought I was having an out-of-body experience. (laughs) John Henson, uh, my cousin, the son of Jim Henson, uh, we don't look anything alike. But 48 years old, we're almost the same age, but he had a massive heart attack and died. And and as I was thinking about this uh, passage today and Valentine's and all of that, uh, it just seems like there's been so much about the heart this past week. And I, I think it's a great reminder to us, in a spiritual way, but also in a physical way, to make sure that our hearts are taking the right shape. Well, how do we do that? If you go to uh, the doctor, and one of our members had been to uh, the doctor this past week because of, of a heart issue and had a, a printout. The, the doctor had printed out a, a long list of things to do. And it was a little bit uh, positive. It, it wasn't all the things you shouldn't do, which you would assume it would say, but all the things you need to do. And the first one on that list was diet. Change your diet. Eat healthy things. Eat fruits and eat vegetables. Or maybe uh, it is true that an apple a day keeps the doctor away. There are things that we can do that will make our hearts healthier, even if they are sick. And for us as Christians, as followers of Christ, we need to make sure we're getting the right diet, aren't we? Don't we? What does your diet consist of? Now, if you ask me, I, I, I go to Sonic um, almost every day. I won't tell you what I get there, but I'll, you know, <laughs> there's nothing on the menu that's good for you there. Uh, if I don't go to Sonic, I go to Burger King. If I don't go to Burger King, um, I will go to uh, uh, Church's Fried Chicken, um, or I will go to Circle K and just get a bunch of candy bars, uh, I know that my diet is is not a very good one, but it works for me. Uh, no, it, does, it doesn't work too well. But if I'm going to make a change in my diet, I need to identify what it is that I'm eating that is not good for me. And then I need to identify what I need to eat that is good for me. What kind of substitutes can I provide in my own diet? And spiritually, you need to look at your diet. What is it that you are feeding on? What is it that you are allowing to come into your mind or into your, uh, your thoughts, into your heart, into your life that is clogging up the artery that God has intended to, to flow freely into your life, that connection, that life connection between God and you? What is it that is clogging that up? Maybe it's the things of the world. Maybe it's all of the worries and the anxieties I've had a couple of conversations this past week about anxiety levels, and uh, I was awake last night with anxiety levels. Just nothing. It was just silly stuff, but your mind starts racing. You know what I'm talking about. You wake up two in the morning, and and uh, usually it's a country song that's on my head in my head that I can't get out. But you start thinking about your day, and you start worrying about things. Maybe it's that. Maybe it is. Uh, some real worry about something going on in your life that you don't know what to do with. Maybe it's something relating to a relationship. Maybe it's about your job. Maybe it's just about you, and you're too focused on yourself. Whatever it is, change that out and begin to put positive things. Take the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount and just feast on them. Allow them to soak into you because they will will affect your relationships. These are very practical words. If you're having problems with someone, hear Jesus' words. It'll make your heart better. Go to that person, even if you haven't wronged them. Go to them and say, I want us to, to reconcile. I want us to talk about what it is that's keeping us apart. And chances are you've got some things that you need to apologize for. It's always on both sides. Maybe it's something going on at work or or with someone else, and you need to go and make that right. Maybe it's anger. Maybe today you are boiling angry. If I said the name of someone today, someone that makes you so angry, your face would just turn red. Your heart would start to beat. Your blood pressure would go up. You'd get tense. Those are the kind of people I'm talking about. Those are the kind that Jesus is talking about. And if you have that kind of anger, then allow the words of Christ to wash over you And to to inform you on how it is that you are to live. And let's just be transparent about that. We all have those relationships, don't we? We have anger. You will have anger in this next week. How will you deal with it? Well, it's not just about diet, but it's also about exercise. You need to exercise, Right? Uh, let's all stand up and do, no, I won't do that to you, any calisthenics, but you need to exercise what it is. You get all the healthy things in you. You get God's word and, and prayer and uh, you know, just uh, if you're spending time meditating on the words of God or just spending time alone with God, then you work that out. You go out into the community. You go out into the various missional opportunities we have in the neighborhood or at work or at school, wherever you happen to be, and you exercise what you've learned. And I think the reason that the church in large doesn't make uh, a very big difference in our world anymore is because we're not exercising. We're, we're getting really fat with all of the stuff that we're taking in, and we do nothing with it. And that's Jesus' point here, is it's not about all the, the stuff you're learning. It's about getting out and putting just even the most basic things, loving neighbor, into practice. And and as you do that, your heart becomes stronger and stronger. And we need to do that. If you're not in a Bible study group, you need to be in one. But then you need to join a missional team so that you can uh, be involved in working that out. I see the Thompsons uh, over here today, and we talked uh, last week about the uh, homeless uh, boxes and kits that were put together. And uh, no one asked her to do that. She uh, heard from God that this was uh, something. She saw somebody who had a need and felt uh, that connection that she needed to do it. So you don't have to exercise this week. You've already done it. Um, but to get out and to put all those things into practice, that's what God calls us to do. But also it comes from checkups. If you want to have a healthy heart, you need to go to the doctor. Um, Charles, Charles, how often? Twice a year? Once a year? At least. At least. And uh, to have your heart looked at, especially if your heart has been sick, so that your doctor can help monitor that so that you can uh, begin to work with a medical team to make sure that you are, um, your heart is getting better. And we need to do that with God. You need to do it uh, as much as, as possible just to sit down and to think about and, and to open your, your eyes and your ears to what God has to say to you about your life, about your heart, and what you can do. Um, Bruce McIver was the pastor of Wilshire Baptist Church in Dallas for years and years, and uh, just a, a wonderful uh, pastor to that congregation. And people he has passed on, but people continue to talk about him and his legacy. But in his book, and, and I love the title of his book: "Stories I Couldn't Tell While I Was a Pastor." Oh, I could I could write a long one, <laughs> but stories I couldn't tell. He says uh, from. Uh, He's talking about his hospital bed on the eve of open-heart surgery. Uh, Pastor McIver asked his cardiologist, uh, who was uh, Dr. Dudley Johnson. He says, can you fix my heart? He was distraught. He was scared. Can you fix my heart? And the physician, known for being short, blunt, and to the point, said, sure. And then he quickly walked away. And then it was time for surgery. And and following the 12-hour surgery, this open-heart surgery, McIver asked Johnson, in light of the blocked arteries that I had when I checked into the hospital, how much blood supply will I now have? I mean, how's this going to work? And he says, all you ever need. And then just in, in his terse way, He again ended the conversation by walking away. Don't you love it when that happens? Wait, wait, I have more questions. Upon his discharge from the hospital, MacIver's wife, uh, Luana, asked the doctor, what about my husband's future quality of life? I mean, is he going to be the same guy? Is he going to have that same quality of life that he had before? Johnson paused and then said, I fixed his heart. The quality of his life is up to him. And we remember the words that we heard earlier. You can choose life or you can choose death. Which one will you choose? Jesus picks up on that with the crowd that day and he directs it our way here as well. You can choose the shape of your heart. What will it be? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God who looks after our hearts. You know our hearts the best. You know everything inside of them and everything that you've intended for them to receive. We ask at this time that you would help us to be sensitive to how our heart is beating, that we would understand its status and that we would do everything that we can to make sure that we are shaping it in a healthy way. We know that you're a God of grace and forgiveness, willing to cleanse us from whenever we do mess up and to take the things that block our arteries and clean them out with your divine love. We ask you to remind us of these things as we go into this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.